0: everyone. My name is Lou and welcome to my podcast called Anatomy Follows Physiology. We finished up the axial skeleton and today we're going to be covering the appendicular skeleton. So the appendicular skeleton um, contains 126 of the 206 bones that make up the skeletal system. The skeletal system is divided into two subdivisions, the axial skeleton that has the skull and the vertebra, and then the appendicular skeleton, which contains pectoral girdles, upper limbs, the pelvic girdle, and lower limbs. So before I get into this podcast, I really highly encourage uh, my listeners to look on with a visual guide of the appendicular skeleton. I understand this is a very visual topic. So please listen along as you look at visuals and images of the material that we'll be discussing. We're going to probably start with the pectoral girdles and work our way down uh, inferiorly to the throughout the appendicular skeleton. There's four bones that make up the pectoral girdles. There's two clavicles, um, which are kind of like your, an- uh, your anterior shoulder uh, uh, bones uh, that connect to the sternum, the top part of the sternum, the manubrium, and you have your scapula, which is uh, basically like your shoulder, um, and where you have your shoulder blade uh, that kind of looks like a wing on your back if you think about it as that. And there's two scapula, your left and right, and that those basically make up your pectoral girdles. We're gonna kind of delve deep into each bone of the uh, appendicular skeleton and talk about every feature, uh, well at least most of the major features um, that are important to each uh, bone. So if we start with a clavicle, you'll see that there's uh, three main features uh, to a clavicle, or actually really two. Um, There's a sternal end, which kind of is more flattened, and that's the part of the clavicle that attaches to the uh, manubrium, which is the uh, top portion of the the sternum, and then there's a more rounded end called the acromial end. I'm sorry. It's called the acromial end because it attaches to the acromion of your scapula. And that kind of gets us right into the scapula. There's, you know, your left and right scapula. We're going to discuss it from an anterior view, um... Starting from the acromion, which is the um, highest point of your shoulder, um, that's the part that kind of juts out. There's two little parts that jut out of the um, scapula, um, the acromion, and then next to it's the coracoid process. Um, next to that, you have the the spine, uh, which is just if you follow the acromion, you know, down this line of this sort of prominent edge that, you know, kind of reaches out. It's the spine of the scapula. Uh, But that's actually posterior. I apologize. Um, On an anterior view, instead of the spine, you have the supra, I'm sorry, you have the subscapular fossa. And then on either edge of the scapula, you'll have these borders. The one that is facing or towards the acromion is going to be the lateral border. That's the part that's going to be sticking out more laterally uh, away from the midline. And then um, if you look more inwards, you'll find the medial border. And that's the other edge of the uh, scapula um, that faces inwards or toward the midline. Next, we're going to discuss the scapula from a lateral view. And you'll notice that in between the acromion and the coracoid process, is a glenoid cavity um, that actually uh, makes contact with the humerus which we'll get started with in a second. And then looking at the scapula from a posterior view you will notice that the space um, above the spine is called supraspinous fossa and below it is called infraspinous fossa. Now as I mentioned the scapula makes contact with the arm bone known as the humerus via the glenoid cavity it kind of fits into the head of the humerus via the um, the glenoid cavity using a ball and socket joint it's one of two ball and socket joints in the body which we'll get into later starting from the head of the humerus and working our way down um, here are some of the features that we'll be noting the head of the humerus, the um, anatomical neck which is uh, different from the surgical neck Uh, The anatomical neck is kind of right around the head of the humerus. The surgical neck is more towards the shaft. You have the greater tubercle and the lesser tubercle. And then if you keep going down past the surgical neck along the shaft, you'll find deltoid tuberosity, which is where your deltoid muscles sit. Um, Then if you keep going distally, you'll find... um, uh, these notches at the end of the bone, so from uh, an anterior view, you will see that there's the capitulum, the trochlea, and these kind of make up a condyle. Um, above that, there's a little not- fossas. There's a coronoid fossa and a radial fossa. And then um, next to both of those features on the edges, you'll find a lateral and medial epicondyle. And then from a posterior view, there's a big notch at the end, and that's the olecranon fossa, or kind of where your elbow forms, where your elbow sits. And then distal to the humerus, we have the bones of the forearm, the ulna, and the radius. Um, the way I remember the, you know, the order in which they come is that the ulna starts with the U, and the ulna is closer to you, <laughs> So it's more medial than the radius. The uh, radius kind of makes its con- contact with the humerus via the radial fossa, and the ulna um, kind of makes its contact with the humerus via the olecranon fossa, which is basically your elbow. Um, if you look at the um, U-shaped N of the, old, the ulna, you'll notice that it's kind of forming this U-shaped notch. We call it the trochlear notch. Um, and, um, on the posterior view, you'll, you'll see that it's called the olecranon. That's actually the name for your elbow. Um, and then the, uh, surface that's, um, at the end of the trochlear notch is called the coronoid process. On the ulna, you also have a radial notch, which allows the head of the radius to sit in. Um, you have, uh, some ulnar tuberosity. Um, in between the ulna and the radius is an interosseous membrane, which is a membrane that's in between the two bones and keeps, helps them stay stable. And the head of the ulna is actually opposite on the opposite end of the radius. So they're kind of uh, performing like this, um, opposite, um, positioning, um, where the head of the ulna is sitting at the bottom of the radius and Uh, at the the head of the ulna there's the ulnar styloid process Um, and then we'll kind of get into the radius there's not too many features about the radius other than the radius head which is near the olecranon the neck of the radius uh, which is right below the head radial tuberosity um, right below the neck of the radius um, and then you have the radio, radial styloid process, which is the pointy projection um, at the bottom um, near the head of the ulna. Last but not least, we're going to cover the bones of the right, uh, the wrist and the hand. Um, there's a uh, several mnemonics to remember this. Um, the one that I kind of came up with was is is kind of more of a process. So at the the end of the ulna and the radius are your carpal bones also known as your wrist bones and you have about eight of them so starting with the bone that's um, right underneath your thumb uh, which is also called your polex the way i think of the polex for your thumb is if anyone here is an anime fan um anytime you ever watch anime there's um Especially on Funimation, I'm not trying to get any any copyright, but if you notice the introduction to any anime episode, it starts with Annie Polex. And so I think, you know, you're going to be watching this on some sort of screen that you're going to touch with your thumb. So when you think of anime and Annie Polex, think of, you know, touching that screen to get to the anime with your Polex, your thumb. That's just one little funny way I remember it. Every know, everybody has something that works good for them. Um, But starting underneath that, there's a little fun video that you might be able to find on YouTube about a thumb swinging on a trapezium. And that is the first carpal bone that we're going to start with. And that trapezium, uh, the thumb that's swinging on it, ends up swinging off of it and landing on a trapezoid. And that's the the bone next to it, um, right underneath the index finger. Um, and it lands on that trapezoid and it ends up decapitated. <laughs> um, so the next bone in the, underneath the middle finger is the capitate. Um, and then next to that bone, um, kind of in this line of, you know, process or procedural thinking, you know, the thumb gets decapitated as does ham. And that leads us into the next bone, the hamate. Which kind of even looks like I am. <laughs> um, and then underneath that. More towards the ulna. You have the. Tri- so yes. It's right uh, kind of towards the ulna. And it's this uh, car- metacarpal bone. That's kind of a two for one deal. And uh, it's called the pisiform. It kind of looks like a pea. Uh, like the, veg- the green vegetable pea. Um, if you see it on an anterior view. Um, and yeah. Uh, even though it, it's connected to the, uh, the bone that's underneath, it's it's actually a, a, a another bone. <laughs> um, and it's sitting... So the P, or the pisiform, is sitting on top of the trichotrum. And it's just a tricky you know process, or a tricky way to say the, that the P is sitting on top of the trichotrum. And then you kind of uh, end the day with the lunate, that's uh, the moon, Um in the oceans, you know, uh, with the, think of a portrait and there's a boat in the ocean and the boat would be the scaphoid and that's directly under the radius. And that's kind of how we end this whole picture for memorizing the carpal bones. Um, and then you have your metacarpals, um, one through five and the phalanges. Now the thumb has only two, um, phalanges. So is the proximal phalanx and the distal phalanx. The rest of the phalanges have a proximal, middle, and distal phalange. And that sort of completes the upper portion of the uh, appendicular skeletal system.